We are now going to get into our message this morning. So go ahead and get your Bibles out, get your notebooks ready, and get ready to hear a word from God this morning. Church. Uh, I'll say it to you every week, but Merry Christmas, and we're going to have a great season together, worshiping Jesus, remembering what he's done, and um, just thanking him. This is just a season of worship and a season of giving him glory, and we're going we're gonna to take some time and do that right now because I want to share with you the miracle offering total. If it's your first time here today, just want to set up a little bit of context for you so you kind of have an idea what we're celebrating. Um, At Restoration Church, we give our tithe, which is 10% of, of, of what God's given to us and, and he's entrusted with us. We give that back to him, to our local church. And um, additionally... We give beyond that, and we give to another fund called Kingdom Builders, which goes toward three things. Global missions projects, which was like um, um, supporting uh, Cuba Bible College, we talked about this morning. We give to a local church expansion. So that was things like launching our Milton location, and we give to future Christian leaders, which, um, which you know, shows up in a few different ways, but one of them is our, our internship program, and um, one of our interns, we told you this month, he is finishing his third year, and then he's joining our pastoral staff as the, um, as the kids' pastor at our Plymouth location. So it's exciting, just over the three years that we've been doing this, what's been happening. Well, our miracle offering is, uh, it goes towards kingdom builders. And so it's one Sunday a year where we bring our best gift and it's a Sunday a year where we're praying leading up to it, God, what do you want me to do? What's the part you want me to play? And, um, and we're just listening to him because there could be, uh, there could be an opportunity that he's saying, oh, all right, you've got an open heart toward me. I want to help you to grow in faith. I want to help you grow in your trust toward me. And for some people, they put, he puts a big challenge in them. For others, it's, here's what I want you to do this year. And sometimes we're like, God, I, I, I'm open for you to challenge me a little bit more. And, um, and, and so we walk through that. And so, but every single one of us, in the church doing our part, from our, our kids to our teenagers to, our, uh, to the senior members on, on fixed income and social security, every single one of us are praying, God, what do you want me to do? And as we pray that, and as we're obedient to what he says, we end up with a miracle offering. And I, I, and, and I tell you what, it's a miracle every year, including this year. So our miracle offering that we took on November 14th was $60,320.70. $60,000. I mean, just 
<laughs> just stop for a moment and recognize how amazing that that is. That together as a church, just doing what God tells us to do, it makes this impact and, and um, it makes this difference. Um, you know, I think about our, the miracle offering and you have uh, 11 year olds who brought in $250 to the miracle offering. You have people on fixed incomes who brought gifts of, of four digits. You have uh, just everybody just saying, God, what do you want me to do? And doing their part. And that's amazing. Our kingdom builders goal, so miracle offering goes towards kingdom builders. At the beginning of the year, we said our kingdom builders goal for this year was 150,000, which would be the highest we've ever done for kingdom builders. We are over 96% of the way there. So we're gonna hit that this month. Um, we'll end up going a little bit beyond that, I project. Um, and uh, which is amazing, uh, j just absolutely amazing in, what y in one year. We've already, we, you know, without hitting our goal, um, surpassed what we gave all of last year. And, uh, and so there's a couple of things that are gonna happen. Uh, one, our teenagers, their, their Kingdom Builders project is not included in this total. They have given the most they've ever given before. And so I don't know what the, what the number is currently. The, the last I heard, it was over 11,000. So some of our, um, you know, we hit our goal, go a little bit extra. We're going to match what they do. So it was in our, our goal to match 10,000. So they've already gone over that. If they hit 15,000, we're going to match them at 15,000. So teenagers, you've got, you've got a month here to go after that last little bit. And um, so we're pumped for them for that. And then um, additionally, with restoration recovery, you, you know, I keep telling you that we're right on the brink and I'm not lying. Um, we, there's four arms of restoration recovery that will eventually all be in place. So it'll be sober living homes. It'll be uh, clinical counseling. It will be uh, um, uh, free like community groups. And then it will be businesses that we eventually start. And our counseling, um, our, probably our counseling has already started, uh, but we're just not advertising it yet. Uh, so that's there. Um, and we've got everything in place. We've got, um, we've got counselors who are part of our team. Uh, that's beyond just my wife, all right? Because most of you know she's a counselor. Um, that's beyond just her. Um, we've got all of our insurances in place. We've got our MPI numbers and uh, we'll be credentialed. We are partially credentialed with some insurances to begin to receive insurances through counseling. So it's a big, amazing deal. So that's kind of happening underneath the surface, um, but that will be launched publicly here, probably, you know, in January, probably. But we could stall it out again. It's kind of just figuring out what's best for, for everything. 
So a lot of things happening with that. So the, you know, this um, uh, Kingdom Builders money is going to be going toward that, toward the expenses and the investment and the staff here to launch at the beginning of the year. So anyway, amazing things. I thank you. We together thank God. God, thank you for speaking to me and my family. Thank you for speaking and allowing us to be a part of this miracle, allowing us to be a part of Kingdom Builders, and uh, in January, we'll announce to you our projects for next year. In the video we watched today, um, it mentioned Vietnam Bible College. I received an invitation to go there next year, so they told me in December, we'll let you know whether or not the trip's happening um, or not, and so I'm waiting, so I'm excited I'll get a chance to see that with my own eyes next year, and uh, that will be one of our projects for next year, just a spoiler alert. Well, if you got your Bibles, would you do me a favor? Could you open up to 1 John chapter 4? So there's the Gospel of John, but there are also the letters of John that are found near the end of the Bible. And we're going to read, be reading a portion of the first letter that John the Apostle wrote. Um, we are starting this sermon series this month on love. Love is a theme of Christmas, something people think about and, uh, and acknowledge. Well, in Scripture, we were told as Christians, as followers of Jesus, different types of people that we need to love and different scenarios where we need to love. So it's not just love the people you love, but it's an even greater commandment and, and greater challenge to that in our own life. And so we're going to be studying that this month. So as you're kind of getting your Bibles ready, there's a story that, uh, true account, that happened in China in 2012, and maybe you can remember back and you've heard about it, and maybe you don't, and I'll share it with you. I want to show you a picture um, that caused the story to happen. So this happened in China. This was an, uh, a college student, an intern in China. His name, if I remember, I look at my notes, but they're far away right now. It was uh, Jason Luce. And so he, someone snapped this, made a video, videotaped him and took pictures of this exchange where Jason sat next to an elderly homeless woman in China. He shared McDonald's French fries with her and ended up sharing his water with her. And this picture went through China as people in China couldn't believe it couldn't really see and see with their own eyes that, um, that someone would love and care for another person. If you can remember back, if you were alive in this uh, time of history, I don't know how the, the young, 2010 is the youngest person in the room, I think, um, that this was a time where, um, unfortunately, there was a toddler who had been hit by a car in China and no one stopped. They just, everybody kept driving and, um, and obviously the, the child died. No one stopped, no one cared. It was in this climate where a guy shares some French fries and it, he, it, went, it went viral. 
Um, in the next several days, next several days, he ended up with 9,000 followers on his um, Chinese uh, social media account. Over the next couple of weeks, he ended up with 200,000 um, uh, messages. He was being put on radio shows, and, and people were calling him a hero. They ended up giving him the nickname, in, translated from Chinese, the American French Fry Brother. And they all began to talk about him, and it created this national conversation about care and empathy, and there was a lot of questioning why aren't we in our country, why, aren't, why don't we care for people? Why don't we care for our elderly? Why don't we care for the homeless? And all he did was share some French fries. Just took a few moments. I mean, he wasn't with her for hours. It wasn't a huge financial investment. He just sat with her and treated her as a human. And it shows us, not just in their country, but even in our country, how rare love is. This morning as we talk through love, Love is rare. To, to love, not just the people who love you back, not just the people you can get something from, not just the people you like, but to love all people from all backgrounds, from all belief systems, from every part of the world, just to have genuine, true love for anyone you interact with. It is a very rare thing but it is something we are called to do as followers of Jesus. As we jump into scripture, one of the things, uh, one of the things that were, it wasn't in my notes to talk about today, but I'll talk about it right now, is when Jesus said, this new command I give to you, that you, you know, you're to love one another. What he did is he established a group of people that were gonna be known for, that were gonna be known for something very different. He established a first group of people that were gonna be known for love and how they treat each other. Because that's not how groups of people are formulated and that's not how they're recognized. If you're in a biker group, you're recognized by your patches and your vest. If you're a nerd, you're recognized by the tape around your glasses. If you're athletic, you're recognized by the brand of yoga pants you wear. It's just if groups of people assimilate and they, and they end up forming an identity, a, a physical identity, whether it was um, uh, similar tattoos or styles of dress or the types of cars they drive, you're going to join that group. You'll take on that uniform and those, um, and, and those characteristics, those um, exterior characteristics. But Jesus didn't assign a uniform or a code or a flag. He established a culture. For people to recognize you as Christians, it's not going to be from denim jumpsuits. It's not going to be from large Bibles. It's not going to be from a style of hair. And so we don't try to, we got to be very careful. We don't put people in those, in, in something that's not found in scripture. You're going to be identified by the way you love each other. This is going to be the characteristic. This is going to be the identifying factor of the true followers of me. John, who is an apostle of Jesus, he, he was one of the guys that Jesus personally said, hey, will you, follow, will you follow me? He and his brother chose to do that. 
His brother was eventually martyred. He was killed for being a follower of Jesus. And John wasn't. He ended up eventually dying of old age in exile in a prison island. Uh, but they did try, um, you can read in history, they did try to kill him, but he lived and survived through it. He was the author of these letters that we're reading from. He was also the author of the Gospel of John, which is one that we recommend for you to read if you've never read the Bible before. And he was also a, and the author of the book of Revelation. And he, he had these, uh, God just shared with him, this very vivid vision and experience that, uh, you, you know, so many movies are based out of. Um, and he begins to write this. So you can keep open because I'll read a scripture. We're going to talk about it and we'll keep going through the different verses. But John chapter four, first John chapter four, starting at verse, verse number, um, verse number nine, verse number nine. So it says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as our sacrifice to take away our sin. You look about, I mean, I want to talk about this part here a little bit longer than the other parts. We, we can question if God cares about us. And, and last week I preached in Plymouth. I, Jeremy was preaching here. Andrew was preaching in Milton. And uh, we all preached a different message. Pastor Stephen was out. They, they just had the baby and they, they've been uh, uh, getting healthy from that. And, and I, I preached about this last week when we think about God doesn't care about us, but sometimes we question if God even loves us. And the thing that we've got to do and we've got to keep, which is why we do communion uh, once a month, is that we don't ever forget, yes, he does love us. We don't need any other evidence than the fact that he sent Jesus in our place. He loves us. And communion reminds us not to forget that, not to ignore that, not to doubt that. And the scripture reminds us, how do we know he loved us? Because while we were his enemies, before we were worth anything, before we ever committed to him, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. One thing that's so special about these two verses that we read is it shows us the initiative of God. We can think that God's kind of, you know, some people believe that God's, they, I believe in God, but I believe he's far away and inactive and he doesn't care and he created everything, but he's, he's hands off. He's, he, he's not involved. But this scripture shows us the opposite of that, that he's taking initiative in our lives. He's taking initiative to rescue humanity. They show us who loved who first? Did we love God first? And he's like, well, I guess I'll have a relationship with you. If you're going to commit your life to me, sure, I guess I'll accept you. Or was it that God loved us first? Which was what we recognize. He didn't wait to find out if we would love him. 
He didn't wait until we'd made a commitment to him to then say, okay, I'll open up my heart and, my, and heaven towards you. He loved you first. He was after you before you had any idea who he was. It's significant because it shows us that God is not passive. He's not just sitting back in heaven, you know, just disinterested, unconcerned, uninvolved, waiting to see what happens, waiting to see where, if we figure it out. He, we, you know, if we begin to think about God that way, it's like he set up this cosmic escape room, this just amazing, elaborate escape room covered by an ozone layer and saying, let's see who figures it out. Ooh. <laughs> you know, they've, ooh, they bought a Bible from Walmart. They, they're, they're, they're getting some of the keys. Okay, that guy's way off. He bought the Da Vinci Code. He's not... He's, he's very far up. <laughs> and we think it's this escape room that some of us are lucky enough to get all the clues. Some of us, we pick up the wrong clues that we're going to be trapped forever. And, and then some of us think like, yeah, you get out of one escape room, then it's just going to be another and then another and then another. And it's really, it was a game and nothing changes. He's not done that for us. He's come in. He's laid it out. He sent Jesus. And he offers it all. So it's, not, it's a, probably the, the most boring escape room you could ever pay to go to. Because you walk in and it says, here's all the instructions on how to leave. Believe in Jesus. Confess him as your Lord. Done. You're like, I just paid 35 bucks for this. <laughs> and he did that because he loved us. Think back to the first couple of books of the Bible. Recall some of the things that happened. Noah and the ark. Who initiates here? God did. Abraham and, uh, and the covenant. Who initiates here? God Abraham doesn't go to God and say, God, I need to make a covenant with you. I need you, I need you to provide for me. And so let's barter here. Let's trade. No, God shows up unannounced and says, Abraham, I've chosen you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a promise to you. Moses in the burning bush, who initiates there? God does. Moses is fleeing. He, he's, he's fled Egypt because he was afraid he'd be charged for a crime. And God shows up and says, I've got a call in your life. I've got a plan for your life. I've got an assignment for your life. I, wanna, I love you. I want a relationship with you. God initiates. God doesn't hide from us, wondering whether or not we'll find him. God, he, he's active after you giving you signs that maybe you choose not to recognize, but after you, because he loves you. And he loved you first. Let's look down at verse number 11. John writes, dear friends, since God loved us that much, he loved us so much that he sent his son 
to, to, as a sacrifice for our sins. It says, then we surely ought to love each other. All right, we're followers of Jesus. We believe that he loved us first. We've, we believe that he sent Jesus. We're living underneath that great love, understanding that we did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, but he's freely given it to us. He's freely forgiven us. He's freely now clothed us in the righteousness and perfection of Jesus. So if we're going to live and receive that, then there's, that should make a difference in how we treat each other. How, and, and, and it's not talking about just treating other people. He's talking specifically to people who call themselves Christians. Oh, you're a follower of Jesus? How are you going to treat other people who are followers of Jesus? Well, if, you've, if you say you've received the unconditional love of Jesus and you've experienced it, then shouldn't that make a difference in how you treat each other? You know, this question. If you've received his love, shouldn't, have you, shouldn't you have been transformed by his love? And shouldn't his love be coming out as an action in your life? So this is obviously a challenge for us as we're looking at and evaluating our life and Evaluating some of the people we interact with within our church, some of the people we interact with outside of our church who they themselves say they follow Jesus. There's a verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, and it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. The the power of Christ's love compels us or Christ's love controls us. So if I've received his love, well, his love now is the controlling factor of my life. I don't, I don't really necessarily choose whether or not I'm going to be transformed by it. It transforms me as I allow it to. I don't get to choose who and who I will not love, what Christians I'll love and what Christians I won't because the power of life controls me and it causes me to love them, even if previously in my own life they would be people I would never love. When I've received his love, his love is received by others through me. Maybe you ask, like, do I really have to love them? And I think this is a challenge. Do I have to love that but if you ask that maybe you should follow up that question with an internal question all right you're asking externally do I have to love that person but maybe you should flip that and, I, and probably most of us have asked that question before do I really God do I really have to love that person but the question you if you've asked that or if you're asking that right now to flip that and, and to just ask this uh, introspective question. Do I really love him? Have I adopted beliefs? Have I, have I allowed him to work in my heart? All right, I get he loves me. I'm on the receiving end of his, him loving me, but do I really love him? Because if I really love him, my question is not, do I have to love them? Or I could never love them. 
If I really love him, that transforming work in me causes me to love them. A number of years ago, there's this interaction here at the Dover location that startled me. And so there were, there was a couple and I'm a, if they ever watch online, they'll know I'm talking about them. So I won't, so anyway, that would be awkward, but I, I doubt they're going to watch online. Um, they were coming to church for, for a while and, and, and God did some work, some good work in their lives. She started coming by herself first. There was a marital problem and a lot of services of tears, a lot of services crying. Eventually he started coming, a lot of time talking together, counseling, encouraging them. And did I forget to mention that they were credentialed ministers. So they were people who, were, who had, not in this church, but had carried the title pastor before. And... Um, and so you, you'd think that there are people who are deeper into faith and in their walk with the Lord. Well, one Sunday morning, they were sitting in service and the people right in front of them kept talking during the service. And, 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 and so the couple, the lady got mad at them. And eventually, no way. Could you stop talking? <laughs> I'm trying to hear Pastor Nate's amazing messages. You can't just get this anywhere. He's the best preacher I've ever heard in my whole life. You've got to stop talking. You're interrupting it. I'm going to miss one of his jokes. I'm going to miss one of his enlightened points. I'm going to miss. I mean, this guy's the best. Shh. Or something like that. I mean, I was preaching something like that to them. And they turned around to her. And they give her a snotty response like only a 20-year-old girl can. So it was some snarling and some facing, and they kept on talking. Service ends, and I get to the lobby, and, and, they, and they come and talk with me, and she's crying, the, the, the lady, the, the minister, she's crying in the lobby. And she says, oh, these girls were talking the whole service, and I told them to stop talking, and they told me that they were going to keep talking, and they kept on talking. I'm so angry right now. And so I'm trying to do a quick, like, these are mature people, and so I'm trying to do a quick, casual, like, grow-up conversation with them, like, yeah, well, you know, we reach all kinds of people at Restoration Church. We're all at different places in our walk with God. And she didn't listen to that. So in that, I, I said probably about that much to her, and she said to me, but Pastor Renee, I can't love these people. And I'm like, pardon? Yeah, God gives us the ability to love everybody. She says, I can't love these people. She left that Sunday and never came back. Not one time. Because a couple of brand new Christians were talking during the service. The question you would ask is, wait a minute, how, does she really love Jesus? Or is she only wanting Jesus to do stuff in her life? If we really love Jesus, it, it is annoying when people are talking during the message. No one knows that more than me. <laughs> but it... It's less annoying than, sleep, than sleeping, I would say that. We, 
But if, but if we've really received the love of Jesus, what comes out of our heart toward other people? Love toward other people, grace toward other people, forgiveness toward other people, reconciliation toward other people. Our love causes us to fight in our relationship, fight for relationship with each other, not fight against each other. This would be one of the reasons why I hate church splits. You just think about, I remember, um, no, that's too much information, I think. Never mind. (laughs) Verse number 12, a band can come up and join me. John writes, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. If we love each other, God lives within us, in our relationships, in our church, in Christianity. God lives within all of us together. And his love is brought to full expression in us. That is amazing. Full expression. We can read in these other scriptures, you know, about God's love being infinite and deep. And as far as the east is from, like God's love is expansive. But if we as Christians, two people who say, I follow Jesus. I've been forgiven by Jesus. I love Jesus. If we love each other, the full expression of God's love is on display to the world. Jesus says, I could view this command to love one another. John writes, Peter writes, I mean, it's written a few other places, but John writes, when we love each other as a church, when we care for each other, when we pray for each other, when we laugh with each other, when we forgive each other, when we reconcile with each other, God's love is shown to the world. I think some people have gotten to this bad habit about preaching at people who don't believe. And we need to get in the habit about loving each other, just loving each other. are drawn. Wait a minute. <laughs> if you, if the work of God within you has moved in you so much that you share a couple of French fries and half a bottle of water, I'm going to pay attention. If you as people who are following Jesus, you're You're not fighting each other. You're not fighting against the church down the street. You're not fighting against uh, other believers. You're not fighting against uh, non, um, uh, you're not fighting about doctrines that don't matter. All right, there's some that do matter, but we have to fight about there's some that don't matter. But you're loving each other. All right, I'll listen in. I'll show up to a service. I'll investigate because I've never seen that type of love before. John finishes in verse number 20 with a clear directive. Verse number 11 says we ought to love one another. You know, posing this as a question. 
Verse number 20 is very, very specific. This is the part, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you, you, you've moved now to, to you, you cannot say, I can't love these people. You don't have that choice. You don't have that option. Verse number 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, hates a fellow Christian, that person's a liar. get myself in real trouble here. If you know who I'm talking about, please don't email her this message. But when she says, yeah, I love Jesus, but I can't love these people. She's a liar. She does not love Jesus. That's what the Bible says. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Jesus talked about this great, uh, great paradox. We must love. He says, I come in grace and truth. We wrongly think that Christians, I thought Christians were loving. How can you speak truth? And so we'll probably hit that one of these couple weeks coming up. But it's both things, grace and truth. What's in the middle of all that? Forgiveness, reconciliation, serving, prayer. All those things in the middle of all that that make make being part of a Christian church, being, being part of being a Christianity the most amazing thing ever. I have more in common with people in Vietnam than I do with people in my neighborhood because we're both recipients of the love of Jesus. I have more in common with people in Africa than I do, um, you know, people that that I interact with at the grocery store because we follow Jesus. I can show up anywhere in the world and when someone says they're a follower of Jesus, we are brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful, amazing, marvelous thing that we don't, honestly, we don't get to choose whether or not we're going to do it. Love one another. So sometimes feuds happen within churches. I mean, I don't know of any off the top of my, off the top of my head, thankfully. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes there's disagreement. Sometimes there's things said. Sometimes you get some people on a bad day. Sometimes people had just started their relationship. All right, they are, they are two weeks into this. Right? Sometimes people are three decades into it. And they've just forgotten their first love. And they're a little bit nasty and mean and hard. But we're going to love both those people. Because neither are perfect. I'm not perfect. But it's something we are called to do. Nothing. It's not my dose. I mean, I can't think of anything more offensive that pushes people away from Jesus more than Christians who fight each other. Why would I? I thought Christians love each other. Why are they punching each other in the parking lot? I've seen it before. (laughs) Not this parking lot. It was a different building we owned. (laughs) 
we love each other. Let me pray. Jesus, we give you our, uh, we just give you our hearts this morning. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. I ask you to pour down your spirit within us. Sometimes it feels like, wait a minute, I can't, I can't love these people. But then we remember, well, it's not our job to generate this love. It's just receiving your love that transforms us. So if we recognize I'm a little bit short on love, I find it a little bit difficult to love. We recognize, you know what? We're a little bit short in our relationship with you. And so we receive your love right now. Pour it in our heart, pour it in our lives. We receive it. Bring grace, bring truth, bring correction, bring healing. We love you, we serve you, and we follow you.